You're listening to the RBN Energy Blogcast. This is an audio version of RBN's Daily Energy Blog, which is a fun and informative daily commentary on oil, gas, NGL, and renewable markets. Each morning, we cover commodity fundamentals and industry changes to keep you informed of developing trends across the energy landscape. Sunday, October 10th, 2021. Better Way. The Rise of Responsibly Sourced Natural Gas. Published by Housley Carr. Given everything that's happened lately on the ESG front, with a lot more expected, it's safe to say that while hydrocarbons will continue to play an important role in the global economy for the foreseeable future, the companies that produce, transport and process crude oil, natural gas and NGLs will need to work much harder to minimize and mitigate their impact on the environment. Traditional energy companies have been scrambling to respond to the full court press by investors, lenders and others to rein in and offset their greenhouse gas, or GHG emissions. In addition to establishing goals for slashing their GHGs and taking steps to tighten their upstream, midstream, and downstream operations, they've offered and delivered carbon-neutral shipments of LNG, oil and LPG to overseas buyers, using nature-based carbon credits to offset their life cycle emissions. Now as we discuss in today's RBN blog, there's a big push by U.S. gas distributors and other buyers to shift to gas that's been produced, gathered, processed, and transported as cleanly as humanly possible. Over the last year, concern about climate change has reached critical mass and the pressure is on the energy industry to figure out how it's going to navigate the uncertain waters ahead. While some on the fringes are sure to disagree, it seems likely that natural gas will continue to play an important role in U.S. and global energy supply for at least the next couple of decades, and maybe longer. However, methane, or CH4, the primary component of pipeline gas, may not be ideal and it not only produces carbon dioxide, or CO2, when it's consumed, It's a very potent GHG on its own and releasing even small unburned quantities of it into the atmosphere can have deleterious effects. That said, natural gas burns much cleaner than coal, it's abundantly available and relatively inexpensive, and, as the last couple of weeks showed, the world still needs cheap gas to fuel global economic growth. And, yes, as has been said many times, it's a close-to-perfect bridge fuel to ease the transition from a hydrocarbon-driven world to one fueled more by wind, solar, hydrogen and other non-carbon energy sources. A lot of people say, well, maybe natural gas needs to remain a significant part of the energy mix in its current form and also, perhaps, as a feedstock for hydrogen production, at least until the Rolling Stones, you too, and maybe even the Red Hot Chili Peppers stop touring, but the least we can do in the interim is to minimize fugitive methane emissions or offset their potential global warming effect. That view has gained traction not just among the environmentally-minded slice of the general public but among many investors and lenders, as well as increasing numbers of energy-consuming companies and energy-producing ones. The ESG movement, which we discussed in depth in our five-part Paradise blog series, is already having a profound effect, with perhaps the biggest one being the push by companies of all stripes, including energy producers, midstreamers, refiners, and their many customers, to significantly reduce their GHG emissions by 2030 and aim for net-zero emissions by mid-century or so. There are a few near-term ways to progress toward these goals, including purchasing nature-based carbon credits to offset the Scope 1, Scope 2, and Scope 3 GHGs released into the atmosphere during the production, transportation, processing and consumption of natural gas and other hydrocarbons. See our four-part A Matter of Trust blog series for more on that. Skeptics, however, continue to criticize the use of carbon credits to offset CO2 and other GHG emissions. Among other things, they question whether forest preservation and other projects on which the credits are based will actually have as much of an impact on emissions as their promoters claim, 
and assert that oil and gas companies should focus more on reducing their own emissions and less on trying to mitigate them via the purchase of carbon credits. Which brings us to today's topic, what's come to be known as responsibly sourced gas, or RSG. If you're not already familiar with RSG, it might be best to think of it as an organic tomato, or if you prefer a grey goose vodka tonic. The point is RSG is a higher end, premium priced version of a commodity or more specifically, natural gas that is produced, gathered, processed, transported and distributed in a way that meets the highest environmental standards and practices. We should acknowledge two things up front. One is that the volumes of CH4, CO2, and other GHGs generated from the production well head to the point where the gas is to be burned, that is, the scope 1 and scope 2 emissions, pale in comparison with the massive volumes of scope 3 GHGs released by the combustion of that gas by end-users. For that reason many environmental activists openly question the real value of RSG. In their view, while the steps taken to qualify natural gas for RSG status may be modestly beneficial, they don't address the real problem, namely that the world remains far too dependent on fossil fuels. Second, there's the physical reality that while a producer, a pipeline company, and a distribution utility may reach a deal to supply, deliver, and receive X amount of RSG per day, that RSG is blended in the pipeline with non-RSG gas from other sources and the customers of a distribution utility paying a small premium for RSG in fact receive a mix of RSG and non-RSG gas molecules. The situation is similar to electricity customers who agree to buy green power from their supplier. In fact, the electrons that make it to their homes and businesses are from a broad mix of regional generation sources including, depending on the location, plants powered by uranium, coal and natural gas, as well as from wind farms and solar facilities. We should also point out that reducing, and ideally eliminating, needless methane emissions is the primary goal of RSG-related efforts. That's because CH4, the primary constituent in pipeline gas, is a particularly potent GHG, with many times the atmospheric heat-trapping effect of CO2, particularly over the shorter term, 5 to 20 years. As our friends at Project Canary, a leading independent certifier of RSG, said in Free Bird, the Environmental Protection Agency, or EPA, uses a measure called Global Warming Potential, or GWP, to compare the atmospheric warming effect of various GHGs relative to the emissions of one metric ton of CO2. So, by definition, CO2 has a GWP of 1. The bigger the GWP value, the more that gas warms the Earth compared to CO2 over that time period, which is usually 100 years. Based on that measure, CH4 has a GWP estimated at somewhere between 25 and 36 times that of CO2. However, methane emissions are neutralized in the atmosphere after a decade or two, meaning their initial GWP is much higher, more like 86 times that of CO2 if normalized to a 20-year timeline. That means that making even modest reductions in the unburned methane emissions could have an outsized near-term effect in slowing climate change. Back to the definition of RSG. It is best described as natural gas whose production, processing, and delivery meet or exceed certain elevated standards. From what we've seen, Project Canary appears to have established the most stringent standards for RSG, in other words, the standards most likely to stand up to scrutiny from ESG-minded investors and lenders. Under its trust well certification process, Project Canary evaluates more than 600 data points within 24 operational categories, including well design and construction efforts to minimize gas venting and flaring, and water use and protection programs, as well as the results from continuous, real-time monitoring. Equitable Origin and MIC are two other entities that certify RSG. The accurate monitoring of emissions is key to the value proposition of RSG and the companies that certify it.
That's because the gas providers need to make consumers comfortable that they're getting the cleanest possible natural gas and that the premium price paid for RSG. We've heard the premium in recent deals range from a couple of pennies to a dime or more per million BTUs, is justified, particularly when Henry Hub is over $6 per million BTU. Demand for certified RSG has been growing the past couple of years, and especially the past few months, as gas producers, midstreamers, and distribution utilities have been developing and expanding their ESG efforts and seeking ways to improve their environmental standing. One of the leading drivers of RSG demand has been the membership of the seven-year-old One Future Coalition, a group of now 50 gas companies that have been working to reduce methane emissions across the gas value chain to less than 1% by 2025. By the way, they've already exceeded that goal, and are working to trim methane emissions by much higher percentage. As we'll get to in the next blog in this series, a number of One Future members have already entered into agreements to produce, transport, or buy large volumes of RSG. We'll also examine in more detail how methane is emitted during production gathering, processing, transportation and distribution, and what gas sector players have been doing to trim, and in some cases slash, those emissions. Better Way was written by Ben Harper and was the first cut and first single from his seventh studio album, Both Sides of the Gun. The LP was recorded at Boat Studios in Silver Lake, California, and released in March 2006. Harper handled the production chores for the release, it was a two-disc set, with the first disc highlighting acoustic numbers and the second showcasing more rock-oriented tunes. Harper sings lead on all of the numbers, and plays most of the instruments on the record, with the assistance of 27 other musicians helping in his endeavors. Both sides of the gun reached number 7 on the Billboard Top 200 Albums chart. Ben Harper is an American singer, songwriter, record producer, and multi-instrumentalist. His professional career began in 1990 as a touring musician with Taj Mahal and in an appearance on Mahal's Follow the Drinking Gourd album. Harper released his debut album, Welcome to the Cruel World, in 1994. He has won three Grammy Awards, and has released 14 studio albums and five live albums. He still records and tours. He recently concluded a short U.S. tour, and is planning a European tour for the summer of 2022. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the RBN Daily Energy Blogcast. For more information on energy market reports, maps, and consulting engagements, please visit us at rbnenergy.com. And thanks for rocking with us.